upset. <laughs> I have to. I think so. That place you had recommended me for brunch. Mm-hmm. I think I might stop in there later today. I used to go to that place all the time. They have crepes and good sangria. <laughs> I was so like the reason I was looking for like recommendations of places is at my job they asked me to put together um like a little like new york city guide for our interns Mm -hmm. so i'm like so they were like oh make sure you put like a lot of brunch places and i'm like i've been to like three brunch places in the city i don't know others and i'm like (laughs) i'm like i've gone when i'm like like making sure everything's good and i'm like okay these are kind of pricey but i could i could swing it i don't know okay our interns are gonna i i don't know um but the crooked tree is like it's this teeny tiny restaurant and it's like you would miss it if you blink it's like really small it's uh dimly lit well, I'm, like, um, always down by St. Mark's, so, like, mm-hmm. I don't walk down St. Mark's a whole lot, but, like... It's, like, all the way, like, okay. you gotta walk a bit. <laughs> but I'm, like, in that area all the time, and I'm gonna be there later today, so... It's good. It, it is the good place. I recommend that's it. That's good. That's dope. It's, like, just crepes and salad. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's all they have. Um... Yeah, I looked at the menu. It looks good. I've actually never had crepes. You've never had a crepe? I, I think I might have, but I don't think I have. Crazy. I they have know. good crepes. Try a crepe. Crooked <laughs> <laughs> tree. Um, that's a good starting point. <laughs> um, okay. So, so um, Dancer in the Dark, or I'm James Crowley. I'm Marissa Winkowski. And uh, this was a depressing movie. <laughs> it sure was. Um, so what is what was your relationship with Dancer in the Dark going into it? So I like this movie, but I don't know why. I, on, I think I like it because um, I like how divisive it is and how obnoxious it is <laughs> and it's like in how manipulative Lars von Trier tried to be. So I liked it. Uh, I realized I wasn't like when I was watching it, I wasn't into it cause it wasn't mm-hmm. the type of movie I was like feeling it, like it kind of felt like, like listening to death grips a little bit where like I could appreciate death grips, but I need to be in the right frame of mind. And I didn't know what to expect. So I'm like, all right, watching the movie. This is a movie that I think was made to be miserable. You're not supposed to have fun watching it. It's supposed to torture you, but I kind of like it. Well, yeah, I think (laughs) this is one of those things. My girlfriend gets mad at me because I'm like, I'm into things that like, I feel like I watch or listen to, to feel sad. (laughs) I like things that are kind of downers. This is a movie that like, if you want to feel sad, watch it. And it's like sad for the sake of being sad, which sometimes annoys me. Not that I'm like against sad art, but like... (laughs) When it's, like, so much where it just feels, like, disingenuous, where it's, like, just hear audience, be sad, like, fuck Feel you. Things. But 
But I think it's, like, really well done for the most part. It is. It was, you know, I when I started it, because I had never seen this before, um, mm-hmm. I knew nothing really about it, um, I was kind of like, it took me a minute to, like, realize and get it. Because mm-hmm. at first I thought, oh, this is sort of like the sad version of High School Musical. Um, <laughs> okay. <which> it kind of <laughs> is. <laughs> Not exactly, um, but alternate universe high school music. But like once I kind of accepted it and like <laughs> felt like I understood what was going on and like the style and everything, because I don't think I've ever seen a Lars von Trier movie. Um, I'm not really a Bjork fan, um, and when we get to the music, I'll talk about that. But um, but like I thought that it was, you know, it, it was a ride and it was like a good ride to be on. It's that's interesting because like I feel like I don't may, I guess I'm wrong. I feel like if you don't like Bjork, you're not going to be able to deal with this movie. Like that has to be a hurdle to get over. But I, I mean, I had my problems with it, but I generally yeah. enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess we could talk about the music right off the bat. I hated yeah. the music. You um, hate music. I hated it. Um, I. That's another thing. Like I know it's like a mess and it's really hard on the ears, but I kind of like it. Well, uh, well the other thing too is, is like, I, I understood it and like, I was able to appreciate what it was. And I thought that the music itself was interesting. I just know it's not for me. Like, like I respect it. It's just, I like, I, cause my only other Bjork songs I'd ever heard, I think were the ones or one you chose for the '90s countdown. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And one time she was like putting out an album, and there was like a limited edition release of it that was like eight hundred dollars. And I'm like, I gotta listen to what an eight hundred dollar song sounds like. Oh my god. Um, and I hated that too. <laughs> I mean, it's never gonna live up to that price. Right. Yeah, I'm like, this doesn't sound like eight hundred dollars. <laughs> um. I'm not uh, Martin Shkreli who can just buy <laughs> billion-dollar albums. Um, but he's in jail now, so. Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I thought I thought the music was interesting, and, like, it was definitely something that, like, it, it was like Death Grips, <laughs> where... <laughs> Not, but in the sense that like I can appreciate it and you know if I sit and I think about it critically it's very good it's very well thought out um and like I like that like they incorporated like elements of like the sound she would be hearing in real Mm -hmm. life for the songs that she was hearing in her head um but yeah and like it kind of took me out of it a little bit when it first happened where like, I was like, why is she singing this song? Uh, was it with like in the factory? That was the first one. That was the first one. And I was like, this is all bizarre and weird. But then that's, once I understood it, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm down for this. That's the thing is I, this was not my first time watching it. I rewatched it uh, for the sake of this, but um, 
I didn't realize how far into the movie the first song is and how jarring it is. Because, like... Right. That was a thing. I, that I, I assume you it. knew it was a musical going in. Yeah. But, like, for if someone went into this completely blind and 45 minutes into the movie there's be, a musical number... You'd be blindsided. Would, yeah, and I guess that's the idea. Because, like, it's not... It, everything's just a little off. Like, yeah. there are things that... It looks like a musical. It's like the Uncanny Valley version of a musical where, like, there are just things that are not right. Well, so I think, well, like, in that sort of sense, I was, even though I knew it was a musical going in, I was still sort of blindsided by it because at the start they're rehearsing The Sound of Music. And I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, this is going to be a heavy like thing that's not really a musical but it has elements of a musical so like mm-hmm. the whole time i was thinking like this is interesting in that sense and then when there was like a true blue musical number i was like oh shit this is a real <laughs> musical cuz i thought you know oh we'll hear songs from the sound of music every now and then yeah and but, well they kind of do that yeah <laughs> in a way um but, like, that was kind of what my expectations were as it was going along. And then mm-hmm. you get this musical number and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this movie, I get not just the musical numbers. Like, I feel like every element written in this movie was to be shocking and disorienting. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. not just the songs, just everything. Yeah. Um it made me really sad a lot of the time. Yeah, like even the like the thing with the musical numbers that I think are interesting is if you don't if you ignore Bjork, like if Bjork's not in it and there's no singing and you don't worry about the lyrics, it's like instrumentally it's really clear and like sounds like a real polished musical. I didn't like pay that much attention like with the orchestrations like it sounds like you know classic hollywood musical like it's the like sweeping orchestra it's it's nice but then bjork and a lot of the <laughs> lyrics don't rhyme like this is how like it's all it's weird just a little wrong. um right and like i think it's one of those things that i think if you're a bjork fan like you've kind of signed on for that. I don't know what Bjork's career was like at this point. I imagine she was probably somewhat popular, but she was, um, this was made in 2000 and she was like, I think she was at her height in the nineties. Right. Was this when she wore the swan dress? Yes. Yes. The swan. I'm pretty sure she wore the swan dress to the premiere of this movie. Okay. And then the South park guys wore it to the Oscars. Um, yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, she was, like, famous, and, like, Bjork is sort of famously weird. She is. That's, that's her, this is a Bjork musical. Yeah. I don't know who, I, this was meant for her to be in it. I don't think she was super into being in it in the first place. She was really apprehensive, and I know she didn't really care for it during or after right one of the things i read was her and uh lars von trier were kind of at each other's throats throughout it Um, my favorite is i hear that 
while they were filming, she would just go up to him and be like, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really funny, like in her voice, because Lars von Trier is kind of famously an asshole. Right. Um, It's kind of as many directors are. But but Um, this was uh, what was the other thing I read? I read one for one stretch she just like disappeared for three days and no one knew where she was and no one was able to get in touch with her and then she just came back (laughs) like nothing had happened that's kind of funny which i kind of you know this is sort of like a it's sort of like the more fun version of like what happened with uh stanley kubrick and What's the actress's name? Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall in the Well, yeah, it's it's the director torturing their lead actress to get a performance. I don't know if Lars von Trier was torturing her to get a good performance. Maybe he was being a dick. But um, Bjork, like, I really, I, as a singer and as a musician, I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with Bjork. Sometimes I love her and sometimes I really do not. Um, I can't just sit and listen to a Bjork album straight. Well, so like I said, I don't know her uh discography like inside and out, but she's somewhat prolific, correct? Like yes. she's written a lot. I feel like anytime you have any artist like that, like mm-hmm. there's always like their albums might not be up to par, but you could probably pick out a handful of songs and then you just add those to the handful of songs that are good. Yeah, like I there are a handful of York songs that I really, really like, but the ones that I really don't like, I really don't like. <laughs> um she's divisive. I mean, like, so is Lars von Trier. This movie, everything about this movie is controversial. Uh, Bjork is controversial. Lars von Trier is controversial. And the content is controversial. So like, I'm, I'm going to ask, cause yes, I know Lars von Trier's name and that's about it. And I think you wrote a piece about Lar- a Lars von Trier movie for the site. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe um, I did, but so I know the name and he always kind of seemed like one of those directors. I'm like, I should know his movies. Um, and his movies are very divisive. People either love them or they hate them. He's like melodramatic and sad and, uh, kind of obnoxious, but artful. (laughs) So it depends on what you're into. Sometimes I love him and sometimes I hate him. So, so this was kind of, par for the course to some extent. kind of yeah um this is like of course Lars von Trier like it's funny because if Lars von Trier is going to make a musical it's going to be this one because like during the the whole movie is lit like kind of right grossly like it's it doesn't it's not very pretty looking right but the lighting changes slightly during the musical numbers but it still looks like a snuff film like it's it's like the colors are a little brighter, but it's still so ugly and so yeah. sad looking. Like yeah. you could see a difference when um, they're singing and dancing, but it's not a big enough difference that it's because like for me, I had to think about that and like like now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more so, uh, I rewatched the Blair Witch Project a couple mm-hmm. days ago, and uh, it kind of felt the same. <laughs> It, this could, the way this is shot, it could be, um, 
a horror movie and like a specific kind of like sound footage torture yeah. horror movie. Um, just, just in the way it's shot. Yeah. It also reminded me a little bit of, um, once. Okay. Um, just sort of in the sense that like, it is sort of dim, sort of, it feels sort of cheap, even though yeah. I can't imagine it was. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure this was expensive to make, but it doesn't look like it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. It's just very sad looking, even regardless of the sad content, which there is a lot of sad content. <laughs> it's in this. really fucking sad. I know. Uh, I remember when uh, when uh, the cop took the uh, the the money. I just kept, I kept saying out loud, "I was like, oh no," because I knew what I was know. happening. <laughs> what's What's frustrating though is. I get really irritated uh, a lot during movies where a lot of it could be solved if you just communicate. Like, like if she just told the truth or if oh, she well, just... That, that like, that really pisses me off sometimes. It's like, this is there is such an easy... It's not an easy fix, but there is, like, a possibility of this not being so fucked up if all you had to do was say this thing well when they were in the courtroom and she's like still lying i was like why are you still lying the guy is dead it doesn't matter that his wife is there you're going to go to jail and you're going to get the death penalty that's just break your promise Who like cares? That's what, what bothers me is that she's kind of meant to be this like martyr that she's, you know, a perfect angel and, like, no matter who, who does horrible things to her and, like, how much gets thrown at her, she, like, keeps her promises and she's loyal. But, like, at what cost? What, like, you're gonna die. Does, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like she was just kind of meant to be a, a martyr for the sake of being a martyr and it, it was just, like, a stupid plan yeah. in general. Like, she didn't have to lie about having a, a famous dancer father uh, in yeah. Czechoslovakia. Like, there was just, that didn't help anyone. Yeah, and it was just, it was like a weird lie, and like... Yeah. It was all... Like, she kind of sets it up, though, too, in the sense where she has the moment where she's like, I daydream a lot. Mm-hmm. Which... Is kind of a lazy excuse, but I guess it's an excuse nonetheless. Yeah. Um, and even when when she was talking to um, her friend and was like, uh, hey, uh, what?" she was like, why did you even have a baby in the first place? And she was like, I just wanted to hold a little baby. It's like, what the fuck? I... Like she's she's like really selfless, but also really not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She's like, like yeah. Why also? Why did she lie when she quit the musical? Why did she lie and say it was because her heart wasn't in it? Why yeah. didn't she just say she was going blind? Like, what was that lie for? Um, who knows? I don't know. It was all like. Uh, yeah, because even when she said that, I'm like, why don't you just say I'm going blind? That's a, that's a totally fine excuse. That's that's perfectly that. It's also hard to hide yeah. when you're going blind. Yeah, I feel like I guess it could be like a weird pride thing, 
But I like, guess even that doesn't totally make sense. It's. I think this is part of what Lars von Trier wanted. Not just that it's sad, but that it's frustrating. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he wanted people to be mad at this movie and the way it turned out, I think. And it worked. Yeah. Because also, like, it's the uh, on top of the sad for being sad. Like, in a world where this situation did happen and this poor woman gets, like, framed for murder and she's it's 1960s and they think she's a communist, would she really get the death penalty that fast? Like I, I don't know. That I don't know how the law worked back then, but it was like I don't know. It how was the like law not only now. did she get the death penalty, but it's like you're gonna die next week. Like they don't do that, don't they? Like don't you have to be on death row for a bit? Yeah, and, like a year or so. And also, couldn't do they give the death penalty that fast? I mean, I know they give it to people who kill people sometimes, but like uh, also at that point, weren't they still using the electric chair? Yeah, weren't they? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I know. Uh, there it was... just seems very needlessly fast. Yeah, that that death scene was really fucking morbid. It was. Um, when I first saw it, I, I had like a minor heart attack because it's so <laughs> abrupt. Well, this was this was sort of a funny thing. So I was watching this in my room um, <laughs> alone, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I'm just sort of like, I think it was at the point that like the the female uh, cop is talking to her in jail and yeah. my mom just sort of came in and like chatted with me for a second. And then my mom started watching it with like no context. <laughs> oh, no. And she was like, why are you watching this? I'm like, it, it's for a podcast. <laughs> What's funny is, like, if you were like, no, but, uh, like, if you explained to her the context, it still wouldn't be Well, I, I tried. I was like, um, the, I was like, so she's blind. Her son's going to be blind. Uh, she was in musicals. It's so hard to sort of, like, I feel like I guess I could, if I sat down and, like, Someone was like, tell me the plot of the movie. I could, but it sounds weird. Um, it's a very simple story. Yeah. Like, it's very, like, this happens and then that happens and that's it. Yeah. Um, but it's just so bizarre and dramatic. Yeah. But then, so my mom watched the rest of the movie with me. And, like, when that death scene happened, one, my mom was like, why is she singing? Uh, <laughs> Which is also, I think, a valid question because that, that is one is that one is not in her head. <laughs> um, but like, also, just when it happened, I audibly just went, "Oh fuck!" Because mm-hmm. yeah, that was so. It wasn't just the first time your mom saw that scene; it was the first time you saw that scene. <laughs> it was like it was like worse than like if I had to watch a sex scene with my parents. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, this is like definitely on the list of uh, movies I would never show my parents. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like, "Mom, Dad, we gotta watch this. It's a great movie. Bjork is, <laughs> you got us. Bjork is in it. Bjork is in it. Um, Catherine Deneuve is in it. <laughs> can you pronounce her name again? Deneuve. Deneuve. Okay, I thought it was something Brand. else. Um, I'm not gonna embarrass myself by saying it. Um, 
You say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Because <laughs> no, you're going to be like, that's a completely different actress. How did you not know who that is? Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to say it. Um, one thing my mom did remark when she was watching it with me, she was like, oh, there are a lot of famous people in this. Um, yeah. I didn't know any of the people in this besides Bjork. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, um, Siobhan Fallon, I think is her name, plays the cop. Um, she's been in things. Right, but I thought that Joel was... But Joel is Aldrich Novi. I thought that was, um, Frances McDormand. Um, that's, that's an understandable mistake. Okay. They look similar. <laughs> but that's not Frances McDormand. Um, and, uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I know Joel Grey, but I don't... His daughter uh, was in Dirty Dancing. I've never seen Dirty Dancing. She's the girl. The girl that, that gets lifted. Baby, you know that one scene in, in Dirty corner. Dancing? She's baby. Okay. That, mm-hmm. That's pretty much all. Time of my life is in Dirty Dancing, right? Yes. Is it not? No. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded very unsure, but yes, it is. Okay. Um, but he's like, he's like a guy who does musicals. He was in the original cast of Wicked. He's... Oh, okay. Uh, like a dancer and cabaret is listening. Yeah, ca- cabaret. He does a lot of uh, stuff uh, like that. The, um, this is a good podcast to show my lack of knowledge of movies. Um, <laughs> fine. Um, and yeah, I only know nobody puts baby in the corner because there's a Fallout Boy song named it. <laughs> No references to movies through music. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> um, sometimes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay, everyone knows that line. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the movie. But um. So yeah, I thought I thought the cast was good, even though I didn't know anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think I think York does a really good job. Um. Like, all things considered, like, regardless of her singing and whether or not you like it, right. I, I think her acting was really good. Well, even in the moments that, like, you're frustrated with her, I still sympathize with her. She's very likable. Yeah. Like, she just has that, she's so adorable. <laughs> she's very wide-eyed and, like, yeah. you kind of empathize with her, but it doesn't feel, um, like, uh, manipulative. Yeah. Um, Bjork doesn't feel like a person. She's kind of not. She's kind of like a, uh, uh, I feel like she's an alien. I was going to say she's like an alien sent to Iceland to make pop music. Um, but she was likable and like, you know, but, and sympathetic, but like, it, she did kind of feel like a child almost. Yeah, because Bjork, Bjork is, has a voice that's like, she's a baby, but she's also a grandma. Like, yeah. that's just the kind of notes she hits, is she, everything's very, like, high-pitched and exaggerated, yeah. but she also sounds like an old woman. woman. Yeah, that's actually a perfect way to describe her voice. And that's why, that's why people either like her or don't, because, like, her voice... Most humans cannot reach the octave she reached. Like, that's really right. hard to do. And I'm sure she's permanently damaged her vocal cords um, singing the way she does. So it's very impressive, but yeah. not for everyone. She also, like, uh, 
like her singing voice to some extent she kind of sounds like like an annoying church singer i can see that like like the one the one woman who's just showing off yeah <laughs> she's like showing off but also you don't want to hear it mm-hmm. like you're like i don't want to sit next i don't want to sit next to bjork in church this week <laughs> <laughs> um not gonna go to church this Sunday if Bjork's gonna be there. Right, it's like, which mass does Bjork go to? Cool, I'm, <laughs> she goes to the 8 o'clock, I'm gonna go to the 10 o'clock. Um, <laughs> because all my frame of knowledge is Catholic school stuff, but... See, like, I, I still like her. Like, there are songs of hers that I like a lot, but... I can be annoyed by her sometimes. Right. It just, it depends on the mood I'm in. And it depends on the song. I think I think she makes good music that just isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it, it bothers me. And, like, that's the way I would describe it if someone's like, I'm thinking about getting into Bjork. And I'd be like, eh, she's like this. But, like, I do think that, like, but I do see why there's an audience for it. I also, like, I... I wonder why, because people say similar things about Joanna Newsom, and I like Joanna Newsom a lot more. Like, I think I, I've listened to a lot of Joanna Newsom albums straight through and not gotten tired of her. The um, little bit of Joanna Newsom I've listened to, I can agree with that. Because, like, sorry, what? Oh, because I was going to say, even though that's also... Not exactly my cup of tea. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little bit easier to l- listen to. Because people also hate Joanna Newsom. Some people, um, and they also say she sounds like a baby and a grandma. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's that her voice is like too much for them. But I I enjoy her more. Not like I enjoy her more than I enjoy Bjork, and I'm not sure why. Um. I feel like I mean they're similar but different. I feel like that's sort of the case with like any sort of like like really sort of deeply artsy yeah. like, musician. Um because like you could say the same thing about like Radiohead. Okay. Where like not exactly, but <laughs> like, you know, I could see you know, people ha- uh, I was listening to uh the You Made It Weird podcast and they were talking about like uh, he had uh, Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie. Wait, I can't hear you all of a sudden. You just faded out. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> um, it's uh, it, like it sounded like it was through water for a uh, minute. That's weird. Um, he had um, Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie on, um, mm-hmm. and he said like a metal magazine was reviewing a Death Cab for Cutie song. And he described it as like, think of the slowest Beatles song you can and make it slower and sadder. And like, yeah. to some people, that's a criticism. But like, he was like, I want to listen to that song. <laughs> yeah, so, it, it depends on what you like. Yeah, I guess. Um, um, which like critiques of like Radiohead and like, you know, so many of like sort of out there performers Mm -hmm. get those weird criticisms that like could sound awful, but it's also like, Oh, this is also 
amazing. Yeah, like depend. Like it's not necessarily an insult or a compliment. It's just a, a an idea yeah. to put out there, and you take take that with what you will. Yeah. Um. Oh, I have a question because yes. I have gone back and forth on this, and I I'm curious what you think. Do you think this was this movie was written by someone who hates musicals or loves musicals? <laughs> Um, like, in general. Okay, so this might... I think someone that loves musicals, but is very sort of forward-thinking. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I'd read was Lars von Trier wanted, like, a tap-dancing motif in every scene. Oh, Yeah. Which sure didn't is. end up staying, but, like, he wanted every scene to, like, feature tap dancing. Um, which I think is something you only have if you love musicals. Um, yeah, so- I guess I guess if you consider tap dancing just, like, the beat of whatever she's listening to, is like, it does the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I think that's... That's difficult because I think it's – here's the thing. I don't think you would make a musical – this is so diff- – I'm just trying to, like, get my thoughts all together. So, like, I don't think you would make a musical in the first place if you hated musicals. See, I wouldn't think that, but people have done it. <laughs> like, but, like – um Hmm? Can you give me an example of Swiss Army Man? Swiss Army Man. The the people who made true. Swiss Army Man decided to everything in Swiss Army Man was, was stuff so, they hated. See, but uh, I, I forget what I said about Swiss Army Man. Um, <laughs> I don't think you cared for it. I, but, I remember I didn't care for it, but I'm trying to remember if I said. I feel like I might have said something along the lines of, I don't know if I considered this a musical. Oh, okay. Which maybe I, I did, mean, maybe I didn't. It, it technically is, but part of, but I think they made it that because they don't like musicals and they don't like acapella, especially. Um, but they just put in everything they hate just to, to make experiment, I guess. I don't know. Um, Cause this is also, you could read this as like a criticism of musicals, which if you do, that's probably unfair. Um, I don't know if I would, though. I don't know like if I you would. Could I thought read this it was, either way. I, I thought this was a very smart sort of forward thinking musical and mm-hmm. kind of going back to once, it reminded me a little bit of once, which, I don't remember in the movie, I feel like the movie kind of felt more like like a stand, a movie about music as opposed to a musical. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the Broadway show once, the music is all um, diegetic for the most mm-hmm. part. I think there might be like one or two. But like, you know, when they play a song, they're like, oh, we're in a recording studio recording a song or I'm going to sit here and I'm going to play you this song. And I think that this sort of solved the problem of people that hate musicals where they're like, why is everyone singing all of a sudden? And yeah, where they said like, okay, it all takes place in her head. 
which I think is sort of, it's like an, it's like a way to kind of be like, I love musicals, but I'm going to kind of flip it on its head. That's interesting. So I think it's someone that loves musicals. Because I've gone back and forth on this because you could, because on the one hand, you could see it as like, well, this is the only thing getting her through the day and it's, it's something she loves and like uh, is really passionate about. Um, but I've also heard people say that it's like, well, this was someone who hates the fact that musical numbers are just an escape from reality and like, it's not real, but I don't like that. Cause th- that idea kind of reminds me of, um, when I was in undergrad, uh, we were having, I was in like a sound technique and right. theory class and we were talking about musicals. And I, I was, like, losing my mind during this class discussion. It became a whole, like, people talking about, well, technically, there's no point to musicals. Like, there's no reason anyone should be singing. Like, well, what's the point of anything? Like, what's right. the point of making why, movies? Why are we what's even the going point of making play? art? Yeah. Like, why are you in film school? Just, there's no point to anything. Yeah. So this it's, like, silly like... to write them off. <laughs> As pointless because everything's pointless. Yeah, <laughs> it just depends on how you get your point across. Your yeah. non-point. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> it kind of it kind of makes me think of that of the people who are like, well, it's not realistic because people don't sing in real life. I'm like, well, no, but people don't do a lot of things that they do in movies. Right. Well, you know, it's sort of like it's like the internet meme that. I feel like an old person saying that. Uh, it's like the one internet of those meme. memes those kids are talking um, about. Why did I say that? Uh, it's sort of like the meme that I remember used to get shared around where it's like when you listen to music with your headphones and you feel like you're in a music video. Mm-hmm. It like, you know, I, I still experience that. And like, I yeah. feel kind of dorky and stupid when I do, but like... I, was, I think you are not alone. I think most people do that. Right. What I was walking to work and like I had like like LCD sound system on and like I had a little bit of like a strut in my walk because like you know I'm not like dancing on the street but I'm like oh I feel like you know which <laughs> it's how Bjork feels in this and like. Uh- Honestly, when I'm listening to music on public transportation, I feel really like unjustly proud of myself when it's timed to when like the door of the subway opening like matches the time the bass drops. (laughs) I feel like really accomplished, even though I did nothing. I feel I don't. uh... I don't know if I've ever experienced that. I don't it's know. just really I also satisfying. don't listen to a lot of things that I listen to mostly, like, punk. <laughs> so, like, okay. uh, it's like, all right, when's the guy going to scream something next? Um, <laughs> when he screams and it matches the door of the subway opening, it's it's, a, um, it's, it's very satisfying. But, like, when, like, you get your little, like, walk in time and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the only time listening to music doesn't make me feel like that, which is probably why I've, holy shit, um, is, like, if I'm sitting at my desk listening to music, Mm -hmm. because, like, that's boring and, like, I'm putting in numbers or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, it's, like, I don't know, I, I think that this was an interesting way to do it where I 
I don't think he hates musicals for that because, you know, we all go to musicals kind of ex- expecting them to be like, okay, guy orders a cheeseburger and he's going to sing a song about it. <laughs> what musical does that happen where a guy orders a cheeseburger and sings a song about it? I would, I would watch that. You know, I always use that when I talk about musicals. Um, but I, I actually stole it from Jack Black. <laughs> Does he say that? He said it in, um, in like an interview he did for School of Rock. He said mm-hmm. this was originally going to be a musical and it kind of is a musical, but you know, in musicals, someone's like, oh, I want a cheese. i can I have a cheeseburger? I want a cheeseburger. I want a cheese, you know? So it's, yeah. So it's like within the, um, it's. Like, School of Rock, what it ended up being was the songs are, like, within the universe right. of the movie. It's like, it's like once. They're diegetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, except with the montage scene. Um, right. But, yeah, so, I don't know. I liked... Uh, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like Lars von Trier likes musicals. Maybe. I like that that reading better than what I've heard a lot of people say, which is, like, well, it's... It's a it's a cynical view of what musicals are because like she says a lot like well nothing dreadful ever happens in musicals that's like very much not true <laughs> like unless you're only watching musicals with like Fred Astaire and <laughs> from the forties. Um, well, I feel like in the time that this took place, it was mostly happy. Music. Yeah, well, yeah, for um, sure. Like musicals were really only mostly happy but you know so so this was set to take place in the 60s right yeah it takes place in the 60s okay. which is why the whole like uh, she's a communist right. and i mm-hmm. i had difficulty placing that because i'm not i don't know history super super well um mm-hmm. but i thought it was like it, i was like this is somewhere from the 40s to the 60s um and i kind of thought it was the 50s but you know, the only depressing musical from that time that I can think of off the top of my head is West Side Story. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I <laughs> wouldn't even know if that took place, if that would have been released at the time that this takes place, but... Maybe, it might have been, but, um... But she also leaves like it, before the, in the last 60s. song. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, she gets interrupted before the end of the last song. I know. I, well, uh, that's not the last song. There's the credits. The second to last song. <sighs> ah. Which that one I liked. I'll be totally real. I I got the one. The, the one she's singing one? before she gets hung. That one I was I was dicking. That was like a really good, powerful, uh, upsetting yeah. <laughs> moment. But I I was into it. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, um, one of the things that happens with the music, especially doing these podcasts, so I kind of, most musicals are pretty easy to pick the songs from, Yeah. um, for the lead in, lead out for Mm -hmm. these, because it's kind of like, okay, uh, you know, Phantom of the Opera, start with Phantom of the Opera, and then maybe close it out with like all I ask of you or whatever. Yeah. Or, um, with, um, okay. 
Um, but with like School of Rock, it's like, okay, I'll start with like the opening song and close it with the School of Rock song. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be a hard one because <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't have it doesn't have like a Seasons of Love. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> Um, I think to close it, I'll put that, that one she sang at the end, at the end, but mm-hmm. there isn't like a, maybe, maybe the first song that they sing in the factory, but the first and the last, <laughs> the second to last. Um, yeah, it's a very, yeah. it's cause it, a lot of it feels like it's just dialogue set to music sometimes. Yeah. Um, like, it's because it doesn't have, it's not very clean and structured. Like, it doesn't always rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> so, because it, that's what, I think that's what I like about it is that it's meant to be taking place in her head. So, and she's not a professional, <laughs> like, composer. Yeah. Um, I mean, this character, not, Bjork is, obviously. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, this, uh, Selma is not. Yeah. someone who can write musicals off the top of her head. Right. So this is just like a stream of consciousness thoughts, which I, I think is good. Yeah. She does the thing that I think a lot of people that, you know, at least think about making music do. Cause I know for me, cause I've, I've written a little bit of music and I haven't, you know, but I'm not a very good musician where like, you kind of sit there and you could kind of hear a song that you've written in your head, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's a good song and it doesn't mean it's really going to translate. <laughs> okay. So like, which I think that like the rough a, draft of thoughts. In your right. Head. But like, you know, in your head, it kind of sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, I was listening to an interview with, I think it was one of the guys from neutral milk hotel. And he mm-hmm. said, like, if he hears songs in dreams, he like, wakes up and like records it um because like he thinks that there could be something um so i thought that this was like a good visualization of that mm-hmm. where like i think if i was someone that like listened to musicals religiously the songs that i make up to myself in my head would be songs like this yeah cuz they're very like the idea is there, and it sounds right, but it's um, it's not very refined. Yeah. Um, like it, if they're not like they're not perfect or um, uh, like with the same structure that they're meant to be. Yeah. Um, but it's just like her thinking of it as she goes along. Yeah. Yeah. So in that way, I think it's it's done really well. The music, yeah. I I actually really like the um, uh, the courtroom song with Joel Gray. <laughs> like, I I actually think that sounds really good to me. Um, I I I really like the songs, but I know objectively they're kind of messy. But I but that's the idea. Um, I'll go back and re-listen to some of these. I. I feel like it's just not going to sit with me because I, I'm not a Bjork fan. Um, I don't think it's going to. So I don't think you can change. I'm going to like sit mind. on the train and be like, "What was I thinking?" <laughs> um, where like, I feel like this is sort of. I feel like these are not going to. 
I'm trying to think. Like, with something like Swiss Army Man, like, even though I didn't love the songs in that, I feel like I could put those on and, like, space out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do that with this. <laughs> this one, if you listen to the soundtrack from this, you have to visualize the movie as it happened. Like, you can't just listen to these on the train. I mean, you can. When, when I'm wandering around... Um, when I'm wandering around St. Mark's, I'll put on and imagine that I'm in a musical. Um, that's the idea. I wonder, so I know she wrote all the music and I think she wrote the lyrics as well for all of the songs. I'm curious if these songs are like part of her set list. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. But the the way this album was released was like as a Bjork album, not as the soundtrack to Dancer in the Dark, I don't think. Right. It was probably similar to, this is a bad connection to make, but to Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where like, it's a Tenacious D album, but like... But um, it's not, yeah. But, I, it's, I but it's the soundtrack. Um... At Bjork's last show, she did live debuts of a bunch of songs that I've never heard of. Um, well, Bjork has so many songs. Like, she's just had such a long career that I can't imagine she would squeeze in these. Because she did not like working on this movie at all. Um, although maybe she liked the songs she was working on. I don't know. Um, was the album called Selma Songs? Yep. Um, at- yeah. A 2017 concert, she did one song. Okay. Um, I'm not sure which, because I don't know the titles of these. But I guess, I guess she still does maybe one. Okay. So, which... I mean, they're her songs. They're not, like, um, Lars von Trier right. songs. <laughs> and Bjork's not, like... She's not, like, an Adina Menzel type that, like, goes on tour doing Broadway songs. Right. Like... No, just... Although that would be very interesting. <laughs> York did, like, straight-up show tunes for her York entire set list. Patty Lapone greatest hits. <laughs> um, just covers of show tunes. I would watch that. I'd, I'd, I'd give that a listen. I probably wouldn't <laughs> like it, but I'd give it a listen. Yeah. I feel like it would be very controversial. I can't imagine it having much of an audience. Bjork, fa- Bjork fans. Sure. Maybe. Um, this was an interesting thing that I read um, that I wanted to bring up, although it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the movie. Um, but the prison set after the movie wrapped was painted pink. And it was used in the pornographic film Pink Prison. So that's very interesting because this whole movie kind of looks like it could be a porn, <laughs> like just just the way it's shot. And I don't, I don't even. There is no sexual content in this movie. I don't even think there's like a swear word in this movie. Like this is very conservative. Yeah, but, yeah. But it it's is. shot. It's shot like someone's about to like, either fuck each other or murder each other. Well, you said it earlier. You're like, it's like a snuff film. It is. It's like a snuff film. Like, because there are some shots, like, they, even during the musical scenes, um, where the camera moves a little faster and it cuts between shots faster, 
there are like split second shots that look like they are from the view of like a security camera. Yeah. Like, like from a really high angle, which is really upsetting, especially, um, with the type of movie that this is. Like, I feel like watching grainy footage of people dancing through like, like this voyeuristic lens is so bizarre and, upsetting to see it it is it is a little creepy and like even like some of the opening scenes where like they're in like the house like it kind of felt a little like home movie-ish yeah yeah it looks very uh low budget yeah um which uh, when i was doing some of my prep yesterday i found a podcast where people were talking about it that was one guy's big complaint he's like this is an ugly movie it is an ugly movie, He's but like, I, that's the idea. Right. He was like, I really liked it, but it took me a while because it is an ugly movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, Lars von Trier, not all of his movies look like this. Like, Melancholia is really uh, not – it's very cinematic looking. Like, the, it's also very dark and upsetting, but it looks good. It doesn't look like it was shot on a low budget. Like, he doesn't always... This isn't, like, a thing with him always, although he's done this type of thing before. Um, he also... Oh, it looks like he just wrote it. But he wrote Nymphomaniac, right? Mm-hmm. Which... He also directed it. Oh, this just has written by... On, oh, because I'm looking under the too. writer thing on IMDb. Um, Did you ever see Nymphomaniac? Well, I wanted to ask about it because I've never seen it. Is that I kind of imagine it being grainy and dark. no, it's, it's not. Bad. It it doesn't look like this. It's shot very well. It's <laughs> it's really like clean looking. It doesn't look like it has a budget of nothing, but it's a trek. It took. It's like a. It's a two part movie. Right. So it's like many hours <laughs> of. Lars von Trier. And it's kind of heavy, right? Yes. Uh, it's super heavy. Uh, maybe I'll watch it. Maybe. I don't know. You have to really be in the mood for it. I didn't like it or dislike it. I was just fascinated by it. I think I, I'm just someone who... I, I prefer movies that are, like, weird and messy and divisive than movies that are just good. Okay. Like, I don't know if Nymphomaniac is a good movie. Um, it's, but I think it's interesting. And I think interesting is better than good. But that's me. That's fair. Like, for I... the same reason I liked Mother. Because <laughs> I think I'm, I like interesting. Right. Well, because something like Mother was divisive. And, like, I it was see, super divisive. I but Mother, I love but... that. Like, I, I prefer movies that, like, cause discussion than just people to be like, it was good. It... <laughs> that, that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. That's sort of a, that's funny. Because was it last week we did Guardians? No. Yeah. But this, um, this week is when Guardians is getting released, so it's been on my mind. But, like, uh, that's sort of an interesting sort of, this is going to sound weird, diagnosis of your taste. Because, like, <laughs> superhero movies are just very, like, cut and dry and, like, yeah, that was fun. I don't, I mean, I like fun. I ha- <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the, the kind of fun that I like is... is um, <laughs> Debate. A little surreal and a little upsetting, and like, <laughs> and I and I think um, 
I mean, I have, I think I have a wide array of tastes, but I think I always prefer when something is that is something that not everybody likes that people are very, um, like eh, about, or, or it's controversial. Like, I think those are more interesting to talk about than just, yeah, it was fine. It was good. Yeah. Um, sort of like, like watching something like this, it kind of reminded me in the sense that like, I know kind of my tastes lie where like, I kind of like shitty movies. Um, I love shitty movies. But like, not in that sense. Like, not in the sense, like, like, not in the same way that, like, I like The Room, in the sense that I think when it comes to movies, I think I just have bad taste. <laughs> um, like, I love Detroit Rock City, which is a terrible movie, um, but I love it. Um, that's fine. <laughs> right. But, like, I can also, like, but, like, I also like, like, bro movies, like mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and... Well, those are good movies, yeah, I think. But I also... A lot of people think they're good. I feel like there's, like, a stigma with them, too. Like, I feel like... Oh, that they're, like, basic? They're basic, yeah. They're, uh, okay, I mean, you don't have to be, like... Uh, an aficionado with Lars von Trier's work. But, like, my thing is, is, like, I can watch this and appreciate it, but, like, I don't think I'm ever going to watch this again because it was so heavy. Well, it's a hard watch. Yeah. It it is. Um, And I think that's what he wanted. He wanted people to be miserable and sad. (laughs) He did, and it worked. It's, It's like a miserable slog to get through, but I liked it. He made all the actors go to Sweden just so they could be sad. Yeah, he, Lars von Trier, um, I don't know, like, how true this rumor is, but I believe it, um, is so deathly afraid of planes that he only films in one location. I Like, he, he makes everyone come to him I <laughs> so that he doesn't have to it. fly anywhere. I mean, if he's famous enough, since he's famous enough at this point, he's probably at a level that, like, that's fine for him. Sure, but I mean, I'm, isn't that limiting? Like, I, I mean, well, <laughs> don't you want options? Well, I also hate flying. Um, Fair. So I'm like, I get it. I'm with you, Lars. <laughs> um, but yeah, fly, flying fucking sucks. And if I could do the same, like, he what? he makes everyone come to him. Like the whole cast. Yeah. Like I would love, easy. like, like if I was like a musician, I would be like someone doing a Las Vegas residency. You wouldn't do a tour. I wouldn't tour. <laughs> you wouldn't I would go on like, tour. Wanna, you would just stay in one place. I want to be a Las Vegas person forever. <laughs> I would <laughs> that be... sounds like a fun life, honestly. Eh, eh, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but I would be like, okay, I'm just going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then never leave. And that's fine. It's like, hey, you want to come play the Olympics? Nope. <laughs> no, I don't want to get on a plane. <laughs> Can you bring the Olympics to May? Sure. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm with Lars von Trier on that. I don't care if he's an asshole. He hates flying. I hate flying. He's, he's like a character. Like I think um, yeah. he's an asshole. He's like a very anxious asshole, is what I hear. Um, that he's like super neurotic, but really mean. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like. I, I maybe it, maybe it's all rooted in, in that fear of flying. Maybe it's maybe. it's all rooted in anxieties. The last yeah. time I was on a plane, I like almost snapped at the person sitting next to me for trying to be nice. 
Because I was, I was like gripping my thing, listening to Stairway to Heaven, and like the girls. You listen to Stairway to Heaven when you were going on a plane. Well, yeah, I'm like, if it if it crashes, this is what I want to be listening to today. Like it's the last song you should listen to if you're afraid of planes. Um, maybe it wasn't Stairway to Heaven, but I don't know. Um, Stairway to Heaven is better for the story. But she's she's just like, do you want to like hold my hand? And I'm like, no. Oh. I just want to listen to my music and pretend we're not on a flying death trap. I think I got I got like desensitized to planes because um when I was when I was like five, this is a tangent, but it's like funny. When I was like five and I was going uh, to Florida with my parents. Um, I remember we like hit a ton of turbulence and I remember my parents like holding me back and, um, and then being like, this is normal planes do this. Cause it was like my first time on a plane right. cause I was a baby. And then years and years later, my dad told, and I didn't know this. He was like, Marissa, that wasn't normal turbulence. We thought we were going to die. Everyone on the plane was screaming. We just didn't want to freak you out because it was your first time on the, on the plane. I mean, that's nice. So now it was very nice, but like. My dad is scared of planes, and he was like, that's why. <laughs> it was because of that one time we flew to Orlando. We thought we were going to crash. Like, that was a very real fear. Um, but now, so now whenever I'm on a plane and there's minor turbulence, I'm like, ah. <laughs> it's like, if, if I fly a lot at once, like, I, I'm okay by, like, the second or third. But, like, I haven't been on a plane in, like, two years. So, like... <laughs> I know that, like, if I hopped on a plane, like, right now, like, I would be anxious. I get anxious when I see people, like, on their phones. Because I know it's not real, but I'm afraid <laughs> it'll actually, That it's gonna like, crash the plane. <laughs> it's gonna crash the plane. Um, yeah, it's, it's ter- I hate flying. I hate it so much. My, my girlfriend's the opposite. She loves flying. Because, like, it's different because she's, uh, from Ireland. So, like... Oh, okay. So, so like, she had to fly over before. here, but, like, but, like, I'm, like, she's, like, oh, you know, maybe we could, like, take a trip to, like, Miami or L.A. or something, and I'm, like, can we drive? I don't take want Take a road trip. Drive. That's what I'm saying. Well, well, that's the other thing. I get anxious when I'm driving, too. Well, I guess you're just going to have to stay where <laughs> you are. I need to stay in one spot. I need, I need, like, solid public transportation. I, I love buses. I love trains. I hate flying. I hate being the person behind the wheel. Um, That's valid. So I'm basically, when I direct my musical <laughs> star. So what you're saying is you are Lars von Trier. I'm Lars von Trier. Um, <laughs> had to bring it around somehow. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I'm Lars von Trier. I'm going to make... <laughs> musical <laughs> How did this start? where did we come from he hates flying he made people right. go to sweden yeah uh, i'm gonna hang out with bjork yeah i don't know i feel like i could be like you know the john mulaney bit where he's like mm-hmm. i get i know all the, the john mulaney like, the xanax, <laughs> like mm-hmm. with the xanax yeah. Where he's like, I tell the doctor that sometimes I get nervous on airplanes. Like, I think that, like, next time I have a flight, I'm going to be like, uh, I'm going to go to the doctor and be like, I get nervous on airplanes. Please give me Xanax. 
like a quadrupin to knock you out. Pretty much, that's all I need. I, yeah, I just need to like be asleep. I like it. I like looking out the window and like feeling anxious. <laughs> I like the rush. See, that just like it, it like ruins me. And like the Wonder Years just released a song about this, and we'll wrap up in a sec because we've gone so far off. But <laughs> this is the Burger Day podcast where we talk about airplane <laughs> anxiety. But um, they released a song called um, "We Look Like Lightning," and it's about experienced experiencing turbulence and the chorus of it is what song do you want to die to um and that's how i feel that's a good question that's how i feel every time i get on an airplane and i have to make sure that i've downloaded all the music that i want to hear onto my phone so in case the plane goes down i can put on stairway to heaven or highway to hell or sometimes i think like if i'm listening to uh, something re- like embarrassing and funny. Um, I think like if I died right now, this would is... they see that I'm <laughs> I'm like listening to Ariana Grande on full <laughs> volume? Um, have you ever read Chuck Klosterman? No. Um, he has this book um called Killing Yourself to Live, and it's it, like it it's about other things, but it's supposed to be like this long meditation on death. Mm-hmm. And he has this one part where he talks about, um, he's, it's so weird. Cause he's like, cause he wrote the book in like 2003, I think. So like, he was like, oh, that new singer Beyonce from Destiny's Child just released a song with the rapper Jay-Z called uh, Crazy in Love. And like, you know, that's the only song I want to hear. And he talks about his anxieties on, like, he's like, if a plane goes down, I have to make sure I have my iPod so that I could decide what song I go out on. Um, <laughs> and he's like, you know, in that moment, that day, if I was going to drop dead, I would want nothing else to be playing except Crazy in Love. Um, but uh, I actually did almost get into a car accident and I couldn't find it. And the song I would have died to had that car accident gone wrong would have been Surrender by Cheap Trick. Um, <laughs> it's something to think about. It's it's now, like, all I think about since that Wonder Years song came out. <laughs> like, if you got hit by a bus while you're listening to music, what would be, like, the ideal song you get right. found with? <laughs> right. Like, the paramedics take me. They're like, we gotta take the headphones out. I'm like, I need to be hearing. <laughs> they look at my phone, and, and they look at me, and they're like, nice. And then I die. <laughs> they're like, oh, What cool. a way to go. He had good taste. <laughs> Yeah, what a what a uh, good taste that one had. Yeah, we, we <laughs> before that end, we lost one of the good ones. <laughs> we lost one of the good ones. Okay, I feel like is there anything else we want to add about about uh, Dancer, Dancer in the, in the dark? dark? Um, would I watch it again? Maybe because <laughs> I, I kind of liked it the second time watching it. Um. I'm going to, like, force someone to watch this. I don't know this, yet, but I'm going to be like... I can't... I've, I've, like, recommended this movie to people, and I've had people give me very mixed reactions. <laughs> it totally depends. But that's a very interesting test to see who yeah. likes what. I mean, like, I, I liked it. It was just heavy. Like, it made me it's sad. Heavy. 
made me sad and scared. If you're already sad, don't watch this movie. Yeah, I'm going to find someone that, like, things are just going too well for them. And I'll be like... They need to be knocked down a peg. like, you got to... Yeah. Um, This is unrelated. I keep forgetting that I'm not on the Dancer in the Dark Wikipedia page. Or not Wikipedia, uh, IMDB page. And Mm -hmm. I scroll down to their keywords section but I'm on the nymphomaniac one, so I keep seeing oh. unsimulated sex, anal sex, cunnilingus, sex scene, female nudity. There's like, a lot of that in I'm, nymphomania. I'm like, that's not what happens in the Bjork movie. <laughs> None of that. Um, oh, this. Uh, so b- before we wrap up, this was something I wanted to touch on that uh, we didn't. Uh, the The boyfriend guy... Mm-hmm. He was weird. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, it was all. Yeah, were we meant to like think he was romantic or creepy? I thought he was creepy. I thought it was creepy. What? I thought he was creepy, but it was kind of framed like we were supposed to like him. Well, yeah, because as far as I know, Bjork has the one hobby, which is she wants to. Um, she's in musicals. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like this is a guy that, like, is in musicals, unless he is in rehearsal with her. Maybe. I don't think, though. It's, it's kind of weird that he, like, just follows her around. Yeah, it kinda. just kind of seems like he's, like, he seems like maybe he, like, hung out at the factory she works in and is, like... Hey, you want to go out sometime? And like, yeah, like I wouldn't have known. Had, they did mention that he works at the factory, oh, okay. I think, but I would not have known that had they not said that. Okay. Like I would have just thought he was a local vagrant. <laughs> okay. So, like he works at the factory, but he like waits up for her. And okay, that seemed like I, think, I feel like that might have been a line like you blink and you mess it because like yeah, it was like very brief. But I think I think he was like written to be like a romantic. Uh, character like we were supposed to like him and he was just worried about her but I, he's a little creepy yeah yeah that's what I thought too and I thought their whole relationship was weird but it was okay I'm glad I wasn't alone there <laughs> okay cool uh, anything else you want to add about Bjork, not. about flying <laughs> Um, about just anything about in general. About anything now. <laughs> um, crepes, because that's what crepes. started this. They have, um, they have. I think last I checked, they have like a sweet crepe section and a savory crepe section. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so you got <laughs> so, options. So when I go to get crepes, I could. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Okay, I'm gonna hit end. Stuns are